Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us today. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Meals with Jesus. And uh, what we're basically doing in this series is we're working through the Gospel of Luke together. Um, because Luke, when he wrote it, uh, he, he really sort of focuses in on Jesus being either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. And you've seen that throughout the gospel as we've spent time. And, and that we can learn a lot from these interactions and things that happen at a meal. And we've, we've learned that Jesus will, uh, looks forward to sharing a meal with anyone. That meals at that time weren't just a quick place to come and sort of satisfy your hunger. They were really a very central focused point of, uh, of relationship. They were a very important part of the culture. And Jesus will invite anyone to the table from the worst of the worst, the tax collectors, to the very self-righteous Pharisees. And I've said to you, these meals, they're a picture of the grace of God. There, there's Jesus, fully God, fully man, um, welcoming everyone to the table and, and welcoming them. And, you know, he wants them to be a part uh, of everything. And I, I said, you know, to sort of remember this whole series, that this is what I've been saying, that before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork. And things started changing. And so we're, we're looking at that idea as we look at these meals together. And over the last oh, three or four weeks or so, we've been sort of uh, focused in a, a, uh, an interaction that Jesus had been having um, with Pharisees at the dinner table at a, at a meal. And uh, he's been talking to them. And we've just finished looking at uh, Luke chapter 15. There's, there's parables in it. The, the first uh, two, you know, was the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and last week we started talking about the parable of the lost son but I said there's a second little part to that that I wanted to devote a whole message to and and that's the the story of the older brother and really when we look at this today you're going to see that Jesus is talking directly now to the Pharisees to try and see them to get their point and it's very important that when you read about the Pharisees you don't just dismiss them as people you, you know you're not concerned about they're just you know inherently evil people they really weren't they they started out well. They, they had a, a very important mission when they started a couple hundred years prior to this time of protecting the Word of God from um, being changed by the Greek culture. And so they gathered around with this purpose in mind. But over time, um, rather than just allowing God to shape their characters from the inside out, they they'd made a rule for everything and in the process had lost the idea of who God is. And, and they'd, they'd lost the mercy and grace of God. They'd They'd lost the idea of a relationship with a loving father. They'd, they'd, they'd just moved away from that, and um, they had changed it as something else. And the reason I, I've been telling you how, why it's important to look at that is that the church has a tendency to do that. And we have to be very careful that we don't just become all about being rule followers, and we miss the heart of God for the lost, the lame, the, the blind, the, the crippled, the poor, which is what he's been talking about. These are the people that are invited to the table, and that's us. But sometimes we, we get in and then all of a sudden we start to change and become something else. And we need to be very careful with that. So we'll be talking about that today um, as we look at the second little part of the end of Luke 15, which is the second part of the parable of the prodigal son. And um, you, you could, in effect, call it the parable of the older brother, if you'd like. So that's the intro. Uh, we're on our way in. Uh, during the transition time, I always like to tell you a bad joke or a bad thought or something uh, I, I got three. You can help me narrow them down for tomorrow. Yesterday, I, uh, I gave away a bunch of dead batteries, free of charge. No? Yes? No? Well, got, got a clap. I don't know. I'm going bananas. 
That's what I say to my bananas before I leave the house. <laughs> no? Yeah, not bad? Never give up on your dreams. Keep sleeping. Well, there we go. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to weigh them further. <laughs> two out of three? Now, I don't know which two to pick. All right, we'll figure it out. Luke chapter 15, the scripture reading here on purpose, beginning in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, at verse 25 there, blessed be the name of the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord. At verse 25, the parable of the prodigal son takes his turn. And instead of answering the question that we've been looking at, Um, You know, what does it mean that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners? The question now is, what does it mean that the Pharisees and the scribes are not eating with them? What does it mean that the Pharisees and scribes are grumbling about Jesus eating with them? And that's what the last part of this parable is about. And I also want to mention this too. Just the way the father ran to the son who was coming back in the first part of that parable when he saw him a long way off, the father goes out to the older son too. You need to see that. That Jesus was reaching out, because the older son represents the Pharisees. Jesus in his ministry was reaching out to the entire spectrum of people, from the the lost of the lost, the the tax collectors and sinners, to the, the established religious community of the day, the Pharisees, who had left him. He was reaching out to all of them. He was talking about the kingdom, and he was inviting them into the kingdom of God. You need that was the heart of Jesus for all these people. And so in that story, I just think it's important that you see that the father goes after, he goes out after the older brother too, the older son. He he leaves where he's at, leaves the party, and goes after him too. Um, And that's very, very important. So um, last week as we talked about the celebration was happening, I said to you that this grace of God, you know, is, is, is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners and tax collectors and self righteous not because of their goodness, but because of His goodness. And I said the ultimate display of that hospitality was when Jesus went to the cross and uh, made a way for us by, by dying and defeating death and paying for our sin, for, for all of us to have an option now to become members of the household of God. And that, this is a, this hosp- that movement is a, it's a picture of the grace of God towards us. And, then, and that word in the Greek, grace, is charis, which means... Sometimes we try and define it as unmerited favor, but it means more than that. This charis, this, this, this grace is something that brings joy. It brings pleasure. It causes us to be thankful. And the older brother in the scripture reading, he doesn't see the grace of God towards his younger brother as a joyful thing. And we need to look at that because it's so easy for us to become just like the older brother. Um, as the established religious community. We have to be so careful and really be aware of this 
and, and that the movement of Jesus towards the, the lost and the broken wasn't bringing them joy, and it should have been. They, they, had, they had him in their midst. God was there. He was willing to come to the table. He responded to their invitations. They knew that there was something about him they were drawn to, but they just didn't like the way that he cared about the lost and the broken and the, the people. They did everything to try and avoid, and, and that was what we have to make sure that we get a look at. And so I want to talk about that um, in our brief time together. Point number one is this. So who are you living for? Who are you living for? And, and here's the deal. As Christians, um, as followers of Christ, we, we are a people of mission. We understand that. We have a purpose. And, and in effect, we're called to enter a vineyard, to labor in a vineyard with, with others and for others. And, and our mission, though, it needs to be a labor of love, not of selfishness, not of performance, not, not something that's work-oriented, um, it has to come from a heart that desires to, to just love God back, not trying to earn anything, but out of the love that we receive from Him. And so we're not to compare, uh, you know, our, um, the amount of our labor or um, the length of our labor against other people. Uh, it's in our hearts, and it's very important that, to just settle that what we do, whatever it is that we do, we do for Him. And... and I want to share with you a parable today, another parable. This one's out of Matthew. But I think this is one of the most helpful parables in, in sort of doing a check on how you're doing with all these things that there is in the Bible. This is the one I turn to all the time. This is the one that I think you know, helps us to see how we're doing on the selfish, selfless scale. And it will point right at the heart of who you are. And so I, I'm going to look at this in, in context of everything that we're talking about. Matthew chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? No one is hired, as they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, I got a little letter A under there in the notes. And here's my question. How does that parable make you feel? See, this is a great definer um, of this parable because I think when we're honest, when we read that parable, it does not seem fair to us in any way 
that people who struggled in it the last part of the day and worked an hour basically just doing the cleanup in the easiest part of the day would get paid the same as someone who'd worked all day out in the heat doing the same amount of work. And, and uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great thing to think about. How does that make you feel? Because it cuts against everything that we understand about how things should work. Everything, I, I, would, I would guess, I hate to think for you, but I would guess that what most of us think about when we read that is it's absolutely not fair. And if I were in that situation, it worked all day, and someone came in the last hour, and I would, I would feel like I'd been treated unfairly and would not be very happy about it. That's just the, the, the thing that I think we would feel. I mean, if you think about it at your job right now, let's say, that, you know, those of you that, that are working have a job, and you go to work, and you work all day, and someone comes in and works that last hour, and they make exactly the same amount of money that you did for working hard all day, how do you, how do you feel? You, you've got some sort of labor problem, you know what I mean? You, you need to call somebody. This is not right. You need to come and fix it. This is a bad thing. And yet, here's my other question. Little point B. What do you think Jesus' reaction would be? This is what separates it all. What do you, how do you think Jesus would react? And I, I think that, you know, in the same turn, if Jesus had been there and he'd worked all day and somebody came in, and, and I'm, I'm confident that, you know, from studying Jesus and, 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 you know, his character and the way that he does things, he would have been happy to see people who didn't uh, have work ultimately get some work. They'd been without work all day. And he would thought it was cool that they, they'd been gotten paid more than generously. I think he would have been, uh, you know, he would have been blessed that his service for that day was also a blessing to them and that he would have loved them by rejoicing with them in their blessing. That's my idea of what Jesus would do, that he would be excited about. There wouldn't be any of that other stuff that I just talked about. Jesus would just be, that's cool. How cool is that? That you got, for, can you, the, how cool is that? That you came in at the, you didn't have a job. You didn't think you were going to have anything. You came in at the last hour and you, you got a full day's pay. How cool is that? But I think um, if we're honest with ourselves, that's an amazingly eye-opening parable. Because I've read it for years now. I know what my reaction should be. And I got to tell you, when I read it, I'm still not there. Now, I make myself go there. But there's something in when I try and put myself in those situations, all parts of me go, it's not right. It's not fair. It shouldn't happen. That's not, whoop, whoop, time out, time out. And yet... There's something so dynamic about the kingdom of God in that parable that we have to get it. See, that's the heart we have to have. That's, the, that's how it has to work because it's, it's, a, it's a picture of that older brother syndrome where those people are grumbling, saying the same as the other guys, about the generosity of God and the, and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the, how amazing God is to everyone. And yet we, we, we get, man, we can get caught up so quick. And so we have to remember too, point two is that it's just not all about me. And, and yet we've lived most of our lives from that perspective. And so this is, this is one of the biggest shifts we'll make in order to get this thing. It's not all about me. Whenever I say that, I need to make this caveat. It is some about me. And that's a good thing. So don't, it's not, it doesn't mean it is none about you. It's some about you. But it's not all about you. And that's what has to change. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. This is out of paraphrase. The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, and people can now be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly 
ends. See, uh, I like verse 49 because it, it says, you know, all of us worked really hard from our earthly origins. And by that I mean we've excelled at sin, selfishness, contempt, you know, self-contempt, others' contempt, other-centered contempt. Um, we've approached life from the, from the old dead way of thinking of our earthly origins. And now what, what Paul is saying is, listen, with the same effort, with the same intensity that you lived that other life, um, now you, you have to live it in, in heavenly ways, in kingdom of God ways, in, in a different way of thinking, embracing, you know, who Jesus is and, and what he's done and what he's doing. Because that's where life is found, full, abundant, heavenly life, eternal life. It's, it's something that we can experience now. And you know, I just want to encourage you to, to push into that whole dynamic every day, to catch yourself when you're getting stuck and trapped in, in the earthy way of thinking about things and, and to just, you know, try and see what Jesus would have done, what he would have been thinking about. What's the next right thing? How can I rejoice with people when they're being blessed instead of sort of going, well, what, what about me? What's wrong with me? Why not me? And, and, and get stuck there because you get stuck in that spot. You'll start trying to earn something and work for something and you'll be a Pharisee before you know it happened. And, and then you're, you're, you're just useless in the kingdom at that point. There's, the Pharisees became useless. They couldn't do a thing. They couldn't help anybody to find God. In fact, they were sending people in the other direction. That's our mission. It's the, it's the purpose. It's why we're here. It's to help people on this journey move from darkness into light to be rescued from the kingdom of the enemy and into the kingdom of God. And if we lose sight of that, we become just something that doesn't have a point. And so we, we have to be careful with that whole process. And, and third, um, in the, you know, the whole thing here is don't miss the grace of God. Don't miss the grace of God. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, here's what happens. If, if we don't embrace in and rest in God's grace and understand how amazing His grace is and that it's supposed to be a joyful thing when we see it at work in other people's lives, if we don't get a hold of that, we become bitter and, and our life begins to have a negative impact on the lives of the people around us. And that's what happened to the Pharisees. Their lives actually had a negative impact on the very people they were supposed to help come to know God. And, and they missed the grace of God by relying just on their works and, and are having this negative impact on the world at the time. And, and here at this, at this whole process, he's, he's, Jesus is telling these stories to the Pharisees. That's who he's talking to. And, and he's got sinners and tax collectors around him. But, but see this, he's looking over their heads directly at the Pharisees. And, and he sees these hardened Pharisees, but he has a heart for them. He, the, the father went out to the older son, just like he did to the younger. He's got a heart to reach out to them. And, he, and he's basically saying this. He's saying, listen, all that's mine is yours. And, and, and yet it's an inheritance for a son, not for following the rules. All that minds, it's all yours. But, but you have to come in with the sinners. Uh, you have to be satisfied, God's saying, with, with what I am to you as a father. You, if, you, if you just receive grace and let it flow through you to your brother, that's his heart for all of us. And, and so, you know, God has, has given us his amazing grace in our lives. And um, you we have to remember this. We've just responded it. We've responded to it ahead of the rest, not instead of the rest. 
We just got a hold of it by the grace of God before some of the other people have. It doesn't make us better than them. It makes us realize they desperately need to be rescued too. And we have to live in that tension and that understanding. Um, you know, that, that God's heart is that everyone would experience and receive His grace and come into the family of God, that everyone would respond to the invitation to the table. And, and, and you know, people have that choice and some will and some won't. But the last thing we want to be is a, is a stumbling block to them finding their way in by not understanding the grace of God. And that each time someone comes, we rejoice. Each time, it's, it's, it, remember I told you it kicks off a party in heaven? When, when something's, something's lost, it's searched for and found, it starts a celebration. And that's the pattern, and that's, that's the heart of God. And, and we don't want to be the people you know, that refuse to celebrate at these neat things happening because what, you know, we're at, what about me? And, and you know, the Father said, it's all about you. I love you. You're in. Just come on in. But we can get stuck if we're not careful. So, you know, real life, full life, the abundant life that's available to us in Christ, it's, it's found in living for Him and in His grace. So think about that this week and think about how amazing the grace of God is and ponder that parable in Matthew 20. That's one of the best. You should, you should every, like every month, you should go back and read that parable and see how you're doing. I read it all the time, and I'm like, still, still not there yet, but I'm working on it. And uh, just allow that to change you in the process. That's good for today. If you're watching my video, thank you so much for watching. If you need prayer, go to the website. You can hit the prayer page. We will pray for you. We hope you come and visit us soon.